Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, goodness, if you are behind a pillar this morning, now is your chance to scoot inward. All right, I see some seats inward that you can sit on. It is so good to be with you. It's so good to be with you all. Um, I know (laughs) we got asked, just so you know, the the matching students in the room are not normally a part of Glory Church, but I'm very thankful that they're here this morning. Uh, You guys are from Nebraska, right? Yeah, so shout out to Nebraska. There we go. Um, We are honored to have you, especially on a day. uh, We are not only a, a new church, but a lot of our families have gone on vacation this week. And so Kudos to you guys who are out. Uh, I'm pointing, we have a video camera. We have people who watch on Facebook Live. So thank you, those who are maybe listening into the podcast afterwards. All right. This is my chance to say hello. But everyone else, whether you are a first time or that's the first time in a while, it's so good to have you here. Uh, my name is Greg McKinney. My wife and I are the, the lead pastors here at Glory Church. And as I said, we are a, uh, a rather new church. We are a year and a half old, and uh, I'm excited to be here. Um, I will let you know, as you've heard already, we have a lunch right after the service for those of you who are, uh, who are new or want to learn about Glory Church. Honestly, it's one of my favorite things to do. You get free food, so who, you know, that's, that's a plus. Number two, you get to learn about why. Why Glory Church? Why did we plant in the inner city? Why do we do what we do? Why do we have a, a clothing closet? Why, why do, we, do we operate in the way that we do? Why do we choose to not do other things? That is all founded in our like six core values. And so I'm excited because it's sort of a time where I get to share the culture of our church. And it's a little fitting because this morning uh, we are in week six of a sermon series over the fruit of the spirit. And uh, it's been a summer one. And as I said at the very beginning, it was my almost every good and perfect idea comes from my wife. And so she said it to me like months ago, hey, Greg, I think we should do the fruit of the spirit. And my gut reaction was, no, I've heard so many sermons over the fruit of the spirit. I don't want to. And as God has shaped me and humbled me, goodness, we've been diving into how spiritual these things are. And how literally when love enters a room, things fall into place. When joy comes into a home, there is such confidence to battle. To battle lies. When peace comes, I mean, it it unites people. And so we we are in week six of it. And this morning, this is a culture-setting fruit, all right? And I'm really excited for it because I say this almost at every vision lunch. I won't say it at this one, but I give this little uh, fun little metaphor. Those of you who've been, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to hear it for the seventh time. But there is this uh, Brain Games TV show, and it shows this experiment, and poor poor pitiful person who got picked for this, um, but it's in a doctor's office. And so there's one actor in the room and then comes in a volunteer who is waiting in a waiting room. And I tell this, you guys know (laughs) who've been with me, uh, and instantly over the speakers has, makes this noise, beep. And the actor, not knowing to the volunteer that it's an actor, stands up and then beep. And the actor sits down. No joke, the third time that this played out, the volunteer who had no idea started standing up because she thought 
it was what you're supposed to do. And then enters in new people, and they're no, they don't know anything, and beep, they see everyone else standing up, so they stand up, beep, they sit down. Soon enough, the actor leaves the room, and all of these people who have no idea what they're doing are still standing and sitting when they beep. And they don't. And what the, the whole point of this is to say how simple un, uh, unspoken rules are to catch on to and to then teach to others without realizing it. You see, this is a culture-setting fruit, because I don't know about you, but I've been in some bad cultures before. Maybe some of you have been hurt by a church that had a bad culture. And there's some beeps in our church cultures. Instantly, right when you walk in, like, think about it, right when you walk into a church, you know by the way that people are dressing. Some of you walked in, you're like, there's a whole lot of students. This must be a young person church. And instantly, you can make that decision that you're not welcome here. And that's all by the beep that you heard. It's insane. Some of you have have walked into a church and seen everyone dressed up. That's the beep. Unspoken rule of you wear your best to church. Some of you have seen people uh, not be vulnerable, and there was an unspoken rule that you don't bring your baggage to other people. All these unspoken rules, and honestly, sometimes they hurt us. They are hurtful. And this morning, it's very interesting. I wrote this down. Some of you have been hurt by churches where there's been an abuse of power, abuse of money, abuse of truth, where they misuse people. And these are the beeps in the culture where they uh, have personal opinions, and it sort of hurts people. All of these are cultural things that can bring a different, a different view than we want as a church. And so I'm excited for the vision lunch because we get to dive into what our beeps are. But this morning's fruit is in a direct opposition to any form of cultural abuse from our past. It is the fruit of the spirit of goodness goodness. And I don't know about you, but this is a culture-changing attribute. Like when goodness comes in, things uh, shift. It's very clear over time if good is good and and what isn't good. Like (laughs) it only takes time to tell. In fact, uh, the world, the manufactured version of good will always appear that way until time shows itself. And then that good job that you thought was going to be really good wow, you learn the culture of the people in that job, and it doesn't end up being good. You, the, the good relationship that you thought was going to be really good, over time you realize, wow, there's some things that they're adding in, and it's not very good. You see, good, the difference is spirit-filled good endures, where corruption corrupts. Now, I think that uh, we make sense of that. That's really simple, but think about it. Some of you have left a job because corrupt things, things that look good on the outside, they end up leading to like rivalry, deceit, confusion. And some of you, I mean, let's just, I wrote this down. Some of you, you thought this was a good place to work until you started seeing that deceit was the norm. That like rivalry, jealousy was always on people's lips. Gossip. You see, good is good in the world's terms until it starts corrupting from the outside. But the spirit-filled goodness endures. It's a culture-changing attribute. It births from it life. And so I want to learn about about that. I want to dive into it. And honestly, I've been reading on and off this past few months a book called 
Tove. Uh, it is called, uh, it's a church called Tove, and the big, big letters on the front says T-O-V, and it's just really weird because we don't know what that word means, but it's the Hebrew word for good, a church called good. And I've been reading it on and off because it's all about there is culture in our American church that uh, can spur on abuse. It can spur on silence. It can spur on more pain. It can spur on isolation. It can spur on uh, a whole lot of negative response toward people that don't look like us. All of these things, but we want to be a church that is called good, tov. In fact, this claim right here is a Hebrew word that was changed into Greek for the word goodness goodness, spirit-filled goodness. This is the word that, that, that God said when he made the waters and he called them good. When he created the land and called it good, it's tov. When he created, when he created the fish and called them good. But I say all of this because then he creates Man, I mean, think about it. These, these things that were good, they were fitting in his purpose. The sky was good because it fell in line with the kingdom good. It fell in line with what he wanted the sky to be. The sun was warm and it was good because it fell in line with God's plan. And then Adam was created. And what did Adam, what did God say to Adam? It is not good for man to be alone. And I think I say this all to say it's interesting. In other words, those other things produced instant delight for him because they could fall in line with what his purpose was. But instantly, the one thing that wasn't tov was man on his own because man could not fall in line with the purpose of God. As image bearers, man had no one to love, no one to be loved by, no one to be shaped. No, man could not cultivate creation by himself. Man had an ending. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he made a woman, and together they could be good. Now, I want our church to be good, for God to be able to look at us and say, hey, together they are good. Like, together they are good. They are tove. This is a church called good, because my purposes are displayed in what they do in the city and what they do. They are showcasing when they enter a room, a new culture is found. It's not corrupting. It's good. But more importantly, I don't know about you, but I want my home to be good. What's the culture of your home? Is this rivalry, deceit? Is, is rivalry casual in your life? Is jealousy, selfishness, pride, lies, are they normal? What's the culture of your home? I want God to say that home is good. What's the culture of your marriage? I want God to say that marriage is good. What's the culture of your relationship? Some of you are in a dating relationship. What is, is it producing deceit, rivalry, jealousy? Good. I want that. I want God to say, this, is, this man is good. Now, let me distinguish something for you, okay? Goodness is different than righteousness, all right? You were made righteous by the blood of the Lamb, and forever you are purified, clean. You are blameless, but the spiritual fruit of goodness is not righteousness. Righteousness is what you are given. Goodness, I mean, can we all be honest that sometimes righteous people are just not very good? Like, right? Yeah, so you could be righteous and lack the spiritual fruit of goodness. And so that's the difference. I want to be a good man. I am clean. I'm a clean man. I'm purified by the blood of Jesus, but sometimes 
Corruption is what I like to create out of my habits. And see, the reason is we're still in process. You guys all have, every single one of you, have habits you guys have behaviors, you have mindsets, and those are not always of the goodness of the Lord. Some of you have actions, and they're just not always of the goodness of the Lord. We have patterns, behaviors. And so those things, though they are not always good, we have the ability to be so. So I'm going to talk this morning about what spirit-filled goodness is because your jobs without the work of God will not be culturally good for the people around you unless you step in and bring it. Does this make sense? Your marriage will not be good unless you start allowing the Lord to develop in you the fruit of goodness. And so there's some things that we got to dive into, and it's a little bit of a soul-seeking things. All right, so I'm going to ask everyone to do something for me, okay? Uh, There is this passage of Scripture where David prays, search me, O God, and know, know my heart. Maybe some of you know this. This is a Psalm of David. Search me and know my heart. Know my anxious thoughts, Lord. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in a way of everlasting. This is a beautiful prayer. I have been using prayers like this lately in counseling. Uh, So I've counseled individuals. Sometimes I counsel couples. I have some premarital couples that I counsel as well. And I used to, if I can just be completely honest, I used to pray to the Lord, hey, Jesus, give me clarity on what their issues are. Please, like, and that's a good prayer, right? I need your help to know what's really going on behind the surface. Like, give me insight into them. And I would, pr- I would start a counseling service, uh, counseling time off with that. Like, Jesus, give me the ability to see what's going on. And that's good. But I've entered in counseling sessions lately with having them pray these kind of prayers where they pray, hey, God, can you call out in me what's going on in my life? Can you bring to light what is going on in our marriage? Can you bring, and what is happening, like what is awesome for me is that it takes the light off of me because sometimes people are like, wow, I've never spoke that much to you. Like you must, and it's not my glory, it's God's. But two, it proves God's faithfulness as they start spitting out things that they didn't know were under the surface. Is this making sense? When we start a service, uh, like a counseling session off, and they say, God, search me. Will you reveal to my mind the things that are going wrong? Can you show me, like, what is is happening? Can you show me my faults? Not just pointing out her faults, but show me my faults. God starts answering that, and it's not Pastor Greg doing it. It's all glory to God. And so before we even get into this, I want us to ask the Lord this question. Let's pray this. Because, if I can be honest to you, you will keep getting into bad relationships until you ask God to search your heart and find the things that are wicked in you. And we got some abusive things that we do, and we'll get into that. But before you do that, what you're going to find is as you ask God to show you the ways in your heart that you're believing lies, or the thoughts that you keep thinking and on repeat then you're not going to be able to overcome it later. And so what I'm going to do is we're going to pray this prayer in just a minute. And then I want you, if you're a note taker, take notes. Because the last half of this message, I'm going to, I've planned some things, 
But the one thing I cannot plan is what God is going to do with them. And so I'd love for you to take notes. If I say something that is spoken to you, let it be the Lord answering your prayer. Is this making sense? If, I'm, if you're asking him to show your anxious thoughts, and then I literally verbatim speak one of your anxious thoughts, write it down, all right? Give glory to the Lord. And so this is, we're going to pray this. Father, I pray that right now in the room that you search my heart. God, I pray that right now in the room, you, with your gentleness, your kindness, your compassion, your mercy, your grace, you search the heart of your people. God, will you show me things about myself that I haven't seen in a while? God, I keep blaming everything else for being bad. But what if I'm a part of it? Not because I am unrighteous, but because I struggle with producing your fruit. So God, search me. Will you know my anxious thoughts? Will you make them known to me? Will you test? Will you test me? Will you see if there's anything wicked in me? Because I want to walk in your way. I want to live as you've created me to be. So God, I pray that you reveal to your people your thoughts about us. In your name, Jesus, amen. So to help you framework goodness, the word, I want to differentiate it a bit from the word kindness, which is the fruit of the Spirit, number five, right? Those of you students, do you all know the song? Like, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Hey, right? I needed to do that on your benefit because some of you are just, you're fading fast, all right? I'm excited, though, because there's a difference between kindness and goodness. Last week, I told you that the Greek word for kind literally means usable, useful, right? Usable. To, that to be kind is this divine ability to be useful to the Lord. Kindness is the divine ability to be useful to the Lord. Can you put up that next slide? Sorry, bro. I missed that one completely, but it's all good. There you go, man. <laughs> kindness is the divine ability to be useful to the Lord. That to literally say, God, I will be used by you today for the benefit of people. Kindness. The difference between kindness and goodness is that goodness is the divine ability to use things and people well. A little different. In other words, if I can help you with this, as I've looked into this word, there is a direct opposition between the word good and the word abuse. The word good and the word mishandling. In other words, when God said that the sky and the sun and the stars were good, it was because he knew that the sun would handle the rest of creation well. It wouldn't be too hot. It would be good. It wouldn't mishandle its role in the sky. It was good. There was no, it would handle well the rest of creation when God made man by himself, he knew, he knew by himself he could not handle the rest of creation well, and so it wasn't good yet. But together they could. They were good. They could, they could handle things well. This is really cool. Does that make sense? So kindness is the ability to be used by God. Goodness is the ability to use things well by God, by God's ability. And can we just be honest? Like, think about it. Where there is no goodness, abuse happens. Some of you have been in homes where there's just no goodness, and abuse has happened. Mishandling has happened. People have, have mishandled 
stuff. It has been misused and abused. And it's really powerful. The moment that sin entered the world, though, instantly things not, were not good. The sun became a little bit abusive on my white boy's skin, right? The sun became abusive to creation because it, it struggled in the corruption of the world. We are we're not good on our own. But through Christ, we have the ability to produce, to literally rewrite and bring about goodness. And so I'm going to say that with that, uh, in fact, like Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, some of you in Matthew 5, he sets very clearly what his culture is going to be like versus the ways of the world. And at the very beginning of it, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Can we all like be, be clear about the fact that salt makes things good? Like... Yeah, salt makes things good. Miss Rhonda makes some good food. Salt makes it good, right? Yeah, it does. Salt preserves. It keeps things going. You are the salt of the earth. You are to make things good. Like this is the power in us. It's a culturally different thing that we have been given because we have the Spirit of the Lord. Goodness. But then if you want to read some blunt statements by Jesus, our Savior, keep reading after that. Because he starts talking about how our natural tendency in the flesh is to abuse things. When someone hits you, you hit them back. When someone takes from you, you demand it back with interest. This is a, and he's, he's hitting on the cultural way where there's a lack of generosity. There's a take, take, a consumption. And he's saying, that's not good. My people will be good. They will, they will handle things well. And so if we're going to get into this, there are three things. All right, that's all I got for you, and we're going to call it, up, call it done. But three things that I'm going to speak over you, and I pray that the Lord is going to speak to you through it. Because there's three things that um, can get in the way of me producing goodness as a man. And here they are. Abusive beliefs, abusive thoughts, and abusive actions. Now, we're going to dive into these three things, and we're calling it, and I use the word abusive for a reason, because these beliefs that are Im embedded in my flesh, and my mind, that have been there probably from uh, years of either someone speaking it or years of me believing it wrong, and it's just cemented into my life, like all of that, these beliefs, they abuse me, my God-given potential. And then from them is the ability to then misuse others. Some of you have misused your gifts because of abusive thoughts. Some of you have misused your role. Some of you have misused and mishandled other people. All from these three things. And these three things will prohibit a heart to produce goodness. Now, a righteous person can have abusive beliefs. A righteous person can have abusive thoughts. And I think we all know that a righteous person can sometimes be very mean to people. So here we're getting into it. When I say abusive beliefs, what do I mean? I need you to write this down if, if things stick with you, all right? You just ask the Lord to show you your anxious thoughts. Some of you truly believe that you on your own are unlovable. That's an abusive belief. Sometimes it's about yourself. I'm unlovable until I do this. I'm unlovable unless this happens for me. Unless someone in the flesh tells me otherwise, I'm unlovable. 
Some of you think that you're socially awkward, and so you never put yourself out there with people, and therefore you have never the ability to produce the goodness in your home, into your friend group. Another, uh, you know, abusive belief is you're unworthy, right? Unfit. You are weak. You are never going to battle this and find victory. These are all abusive thoughts, and it's interesting. I, in my time of counseling with people, I've realized, like, the enemy is so sly in what he does. He takes something that is actually a truth. Did you know it's a truth that fallen humans are unfit, unworthy, and weak, and unable? Did you know it's a truth? He takes that truth of fallen humans being weak, and he blinds the person believing it from how God handled that truth. So he's taking the truth of you being unworthy and putting it in your hands. And let's just be honest, like, the truth of me being unworthy in my hands, like, I'm going to do a whole lot of bad things with that. Like, I can't fix anything. I'm going to try to fix it. I'm a fixer. I'm going to try to fix it. And can we just be honest that my family would experience anything but goodness? Because I, in my hands, I want to, I want to make things better than I fear they are. The enemy wants to blind us, but that belief, the truth of you being unworthy, the full picture is our loving God came down to earth to handle your unworthiness once and for all. And so your unworthiness, though it is true, it is not a full truth. Because there's a God who handled it. And so that's an abusive belief. That is an abusive belief. Abusive beliefs sometimes are about God. Some of you, if I can be honest, you never confess your sins to him. You think because he's all-knowing and you're having a bad day and you're just struggling that it's, he knows. And I get it. But you wonder why you keep making the wrong things. It's because there's this confession and repentance and fine healing, whole formula that we haven't engaged in. We have abusive a belief of God. Uh, maybe that he's a lovey-dovey God. But you don't see him in his hatred of sin. Our, you know, God's love and his wrath are like one and the same. An abusive belief of God is sometimes claiming one or the other. Others of you think he's a harsh God, a mean God. All of these abusive thoughts will lead you to produce in your life a culture that isn't good. Some of you, you need to write that down because like something stood up in you. Another thought is abusive belief about life. I've seen this in many, many ways. Like, I will have a better life when I have more money. That's an abusive belief about life. When I have more time. When I have that wife. When I have that husband. When I leave my parents' home. I will have a better life when I'm out of this place. That's an abusive belief. Because you have a false belief about life, and so therefore you're giving yourself the okay to live in compromise. Because it's not yet the better life. Does this make sense? You give yourself the okay to date around because you're like, I will get things correct. Like, I, I, my life will be good when I have that right man. So I'll just find all of the other ones. Like, you give yourself, that's not, that's, that's an abusive belief. Another one I wrote down is, you know, if I don't fight for this, then I won't get it. 
It's an abusive belief to think like the scarcity mindset, that like there's not enough and so I have to take it. There's not enough, so I have to take it. I have to climb the ladder, and if I don't climb this ladder, then no one else, like someone else will, and I'll lose it. Like our God doesn't work that way. It's not a scarcity thing. It is a uh, fullness of life principle. Another abusive thought that maybe you're struggling with is their yes means my no. Like all of these things will produce not goodness in you. Their yes means my no. If God has said yes to them, then automatically it's a no to me. It's a no to me and my, my things, but all of those things will inevitably lead to the next thing, abusive thoughts. Abusive thoughts. Abusive beliefs lead to abusive thoughts. And abusive thoughts are, you know, thoughts that justify your sin. We said that. Uh, thoughts that allow you easily to compare yourself to another. Some of you, your comparison lately has been prohibiting you from being good. Does that make sense? You're comparing and it's prohibiting you from being good. Abusive thoughts sometimes spur on this inner jealousy in you. Abusive thoughts sometimes allow you to, uh, you know, to make cement, like you make foundation some negative thoughts and you start creating for yourself a new reality, how things will be. All of these are abusive thoughts. And some of you, like, I'm saying these things so that God will be like, hey, that one's it. Others of you are like, yeah, this is, he's just talking a lot. It's okay. Your time will come. Your time will come. Sometimes an abusive thought is self-deception. When you deceive yourself. Did you know, like, a lot of times in Scripture, in the New Testament, it says, do not be deceived. And then blah, 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 blah. Do not be deceived. Sometimes your abusive thought is self-deception. So here's a few. James says, hearing God's word and not doing anything about it. Hearing God's word and not doing anything about it is abusive thought. God has asked you to hand over something for years, and you haven't done anything about it. And you're wondering why you keep having bad relationships. Some of you need to realize that like hearing God's word challenging you to actually be in vulnerable community with someone but not doing anything will keep you where you are. That's a self-deception. Hearing his word sometimes telling you to care for the less fortunate yet you don't do anything. Another self-deception, First uh, John writes this one like thinking I have no sin is a self-deception. That's an abusive thought. So you literally think, I, I don't, I'm not struggling with anything. I must be good. Let's just pray, God, search my thoughts, melt my anxious heart, test me. Another self-deception is from Galatians, and it says, uh, thinking that I am something when I am not. <laughs> you want to talk about someone who abuses their gifts, who is not, who's mishandling gifts is when they think that they are something when they are not. You have a gift to lead, remember that you are nothing. You have a gift to, to, to give uh, wisdom to people. To use it well is to remember that I am, uh, I'm not going to be deceived. God is everything. And he's going to get glorified in this. 
This is a self-deception. Another one in Galatians, literally right after this, is thinking that we will not reap what we sow, and so I'll keep giving into my addictions. As it, because this time I'm controlling it a little bit better. No, like he literally says, you deceive yourself. If you don't think that you can, you will reap what you sow. I'll get onto this app again. I'll, I'll do this again. And that's a deceitful lie, an abusive lie to think like, ah, it'll be okay. And the last one that I'll give you, there's so many of these. If you want to Google them, the last one is thinking that you are wise in this world. I'm sorry. Stop the Facebook posts. You're not wise. Your wisdom is not very good, all right? Your wisdom is not very good. If there's jealousy coming from what you say, then it might not be good. If there's rivalry coming, like, let's just be honest. If what you're saying is producing deceit or producing uh, disunity, then it's not good. You're believing that you are wise when you're not. Misusing your gifts, misusing your friends, all of the above. And it leads to, sadly, an abusive action, right? An abusive action. Abusive beliefs lead to abusive thoughts, which lead to the abusive actions. And uh, honestly, we have all been hurt by abusive actions, right? We've all been hurt by them. People who've mishandled things, who've neglected, who've had rage, who've had slander. And, and abusive actions sometimes happen within ourselves. Some of you, you know, God told me to put the word complaining. That's an abusive action. You're wondering why you don't have a good job or good day. You define it as a good day, but you're complaining is probably the reason why your day's not good. Because abusive actions prohibit goodness from flowing, complaining. Sometimes can be huge. Can you think of like, honestly, let's backtrack. Whenever you're noticing that you're, you're voicing a complaint, what is the abusive thought that has fueled that complaint and then therefore, like, what is the abusive belief that has made the thought that has made the complaint? Does that make sense? All of these things, some of you, like, you've been gossiping a lot. That's an abusive, there's no goodness. You know the word that's like, uh, they are good for that? Like, I can trust them because they're good for it. Like, I, I, that's what I want God to say over me. He's good for that. He is good for that. Some of you gossiping, it's not, you're not good for the, the vulnerability that someone speaks to you. You handle it well. I have another one. There's abusive action sometimes of self-pleasure. Some of you, you want a good relationship, but you keep having abusive actions that end up leading you to cross sexual boundaries with someone that God has not given you yet. And you wonder why it's not good. You wonder why you haven't had a good relationship. Have you had actions in the relationship? I honestly, you wonder, why do I keep having bad relationships? Have you had actions inside the relationships where you mishandle what God has not given you yet? Does this make sense? Meaning she's not yours yet, so you touch her, you mishandle her. And you wonder why it's not good. It's, it's very interesting. It's a very different thought than the, what the world says. But goodness cannot come from abusive actions. Sometimes it's lying. I wrote this down. 
Goodness does not freely flow from a heart that misuses creation. And so as we get into the and end it, there are some areas that you step into when you're like, oh, I can handle this well, and I'm good for this. But goodness does not freely flow in a life that is abusive in your beliefs, having abusive thoughts, and having actions that are abusive. Some of you don't like that word. You're mishandling things with your beliefs. You're misusing people. You're using them to fulfill you. You're using them to make you feel better. And so I like, I can't do anything to change that for you. But Paul does tell us in Ephesus that the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And he continues right after this uh, into the church in Ephesus saying, we should take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, in the corrupt work, but instead we'll expose them. So what I do know is when goodness comes, there's an exposure that has to happen. And so honestly, that's how I want to end the, the service this morning. We did this last week where I asked you to, to have open hands like this during a prayer time. Are you guys okay with this? Let's all just put our hands open like this. There you go. This morning, I think we need to, to have some things exposed and to reclaim them, reclaim the goodness of God. So it looks like this. Some of you wrote some things down that now you need to confess, you need to repent of, and you need to ask for help with. Some of you have some abusive thoughts that came to your mind as I spoke, abusive beliefs, abusive actions, and you need to confess them. You need to ask for forgiveness of them, and you need to claim them as not how you're going to act anymore. And that sounds so simple, but can we just be honest, you haven't done it? And so you keep doing the bad? If kindness is being used by God, then goodness is him trusting that you will use things well. I want to be trustworthy of that. So God, as we finish out our time of, <laughs> of worship, I pray that we can very honestly ask you to lead us. You have been faithful. God, you, we ask you to search our hearts, to know our anxious thoughts, and I believe that you have spoken to people what their beliefs, their thoughts, their anxious actions, their abusive mishandling, all of that. God, you've made it clear. So let us do our work now to confess it, to hand it over, to get things right with you. Maybe we need to get things right with another person so that we can be today tote, good, aligned with what you're doing, fitting for your plan in the direction of your kingdom. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.